Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network and X-Zone Broadcast Network. Visit our website at www.xzoneradiotv.com. The X-Zone Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All-Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free number is worldwide. 
toll free at 1-800-610-7035. That's 1-800-610-7035. My email address is exxon at exxonradiotv.com on MSN Messenger. Exxon at talks, whoops, TV at hotmail.com and our website www.exxonradiotv.com. Exxon Nation, my first guest this hour is David Strumfels. And he's the author of a very interesting book. It's entitled Wandering About Curiosity, Imagination, and Science, A Personal Journey by an Unusual Mind. Now, Wandering About is a comprehensive guide that discusses man's everlasting struggle to learn what his place is in the universe and what the true purpose of his existence is all about. And this is what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks here on the Exxon. By dealing with the many forms of science and humanity... This release also serves as an intellectual autobiography, an expedition through the author, David Strumfeld's mind, and his life as a human being. Through David's views, readers, readers will learn the many relevant things such as the development of civilization through the ages, how science helped mankind make many crucial discoveries about the universe, why people's curiosity and imagination never get satisfied, and much more. For more information or to get your very own copy of Wandering About, David's website is www.wanderingabout.net. That's www.wanderingabout.net. And joining me now is David Strumfels. David, welcome back to the Exxon. Great having you with us. Oh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell me, Dave, what have you been wondering about these days? <laughs> well, actually, I've been working on a new book. Um, it's it's a book uh, that concentrates more on chemistry, which mm-hmm. is which is um, my professional training and experience. Um, so I guess I've been wondering about that some, and wondering about the nature of matter and, and chemistry, and 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 the history of things like the periodic table and mm-hmm. the structure of the atom and so forth. So you've still been doing a lot of wandering about, except in a different field from the last time that you and I talked. Yes. Well, well, I, uh, I, I say I wonder about, but I wonder about many different topics um, in in my interest and in, in my desire to understand the universe better. Um, I, I sort of started off in my interest as mm-hmm. a child in things like astronomy and geology and so forth. And um, I've simply sort of kept up this pursuit uh, most of my life. Uh, it's sort of, a, sort of a driving urge, you might say, or, or almost, a, almost a form of obsession or compulsion to try to, to understand the universe around me and, and the universe within me as well. So I guess we can say that you have kept your quest up to keep wondering about what wondering is all about. We'll be back on the other yeah. side of this commercial break. David, please stand by. Great talking to you again. Exxon Nation, David uh-huh. Strumfels is our special guest. He's the author of Wandering About. His website is www.wanderingabout.net. We'll be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away now. Mm-hmm. 
David Strumfels is our special guest. We're talking about his book entitled Wandering About. His website, Exonation, www.wanderingabout.net. And David, how, you know, how important is it for each and every one of us to wander about certain things? For example, the universe. Uh, well, I think it's very important, especially in this day and age when uh, science and, and its offsprings of technology and engineering have come to dominate our, our culture and our society so much. Uh, if we don't understand mm-hmm. what we are dealing with, if we don't understand the universe and, and how it functions and, 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 and its various aspects... Um, we're going to make bad decisions about how to use nature, and and this has resulted in a lot of this has already resulted in a lot of uh, problems um, environmentally and so forth. Whereas our only our partial understanding um, leads us to try to uh, use nature in ways that that we don't fully understand, and, and so make mistakes in using. You know, I, I, I'm th- I'm sitting here thinking about the the catastrophe that's that's smack dab in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. Did we wonder about doing something, but we didn't complete the wondering before we started? And is this a, a typical example of what happens when you don't think think things fully out? Well, certainly, uh, I don't fully understand you know the engineering involved mm-hmm. there. But it, I would have to think it's an example of what can go wrong when we don't fully understand nature and try simply to exploit her with limited knowledge. Um, I don't think we know exactly what caused the explosion and the leak in the Gulf, um, but that's almost the point. We don't understand. And these things are going to continue to happen as long as we, we don't fully explore and, and don't try to completely understand nature as well as we can. Uh, We're we're going to run into trouble in a lot of ways. But isn't it it possible that by wandering too much and being overcautious that something, uh, that we may be missing something, that we may actually decide that because of our overcautiousness it's not worthwhile to do, and by being overcautious, we miss an opportunity? That's that's also possible. I, I, I mean, as amazing as, as science and technology mm-hmm. are, they they do sometimes put us in a in sort of between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Where whereas um, you know we want to use our knowledge to our own benefit, uh, but our knowledge isn't complete, and we end up having problems or, or various kinds of disasters or catastrophes. Um, that we see more or less regularly over the last few decades. David, what do you see as some of the most astonishing wandering abouts that you yourself have witnessed in, in your lifetime when it comes to the universe and universal exploration? Well, I think the most amazing thing is the exploration of the space itself. Uh, um, as a child, when I was very young in the 1960s, mm-hmm. I, this was only just beginning. Not just the manned exploration of space, but the, the robotic exploration of, of space and the other planets, stars, and so forth. It's amazing how much we've learned um, over the past approximately 50 years or so. Um, and, and this is what astonishes me, because we, we knew so little when I was 
young, especially about other planets in our own social and our own solar system. And we've discovered what we've discovered is simply amazing. It's 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 in many ways very much not what we expected, which mm-hmm. makes it even the more amazing. As a professional wanderer, have you ever wondered about extraterrestrial life and the possibility that life from other universes, from other dimensions, or even other other parallel universes have actually come to visit us? And if so, what have you come up with? Well, this is one of the great questions scientifically of our age. Uh, are we alone in the mm-hmm. universe? I mean, the, the idea one way or the other seems fantastic based on what we know about how stars develop and planetary systems develop and about evolution and the development of life, it seems almost inconceivable that we're alone. Um, the question of whether we've been visited by intelligent beings from other worlds and so forth is, is a very profound one and very difficult to answer. There, there are reasons why we might think that it, it's impossible. And yet, if we simply conclude that it's impossible, that, that's sort of arrogant, too, to, to make such assumptions. So, I, you know, we've been exploring this whole issue for some 50 years or more, and um, I, I think we're going to continue to explore it. And, and I, again, as I say, either way, whether it's true or not, is really quite amazing. Can we say, David, that the wanderers of the past were the philosophers of great... Well, certainly that's true. Science in its current form is is only a few hundred years old. And what we would say preceding it were things like natural philosophy and so Mm -hmm. forth. And um, this goes back well into the days of the ancient Greeks and people like Aristotle and, and, um, and so forth who used basically pure logic and what they could observe to make, um, to, to try to derive knowledge about the universe around them. So, you know, our, our wondering about is certainly nothing new. Um, what is more new over the past few centuries is, is, is the scientific method itself, in, in its modern form at least. So is it possible for a modern-day wanderer like yourself, and I'm sure there are many other people out there who, who wander about things and, and actually use the scientific um, methodology to, to, to work on their wandering, so to speak, is it possible for a modern-day wanderer not only to wander about the future but to wander about the past as well? Well, certainly, and, and wondering about the past is a science in and of itself, too, our archaeology and history and so forth. And um, certainly uh, there's a great number of things about the past we, we don't know and don't understand well, although we've discovered quite a bit. And, you know, this, this is one of the many sciences that exist now that, that are going to continue into the future. And we will certainly discover amazing things that we never expected. I would almost certainly predict that. When you look back across the time-space continuum, David, what are some of your ideas of the greatest mysteries that need to be wondered about? Hmm, that's a very good question. Um, 
probably human evolution itself, I would say, is, is one of the greatest mysteries we look at. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've certainly learned a great deal over, over the past few decades, but there is a great deal to be filled in yet. And, um, you know, how, how did human beings come not only to evolve, but to slowly develop things like civilization and their various cultures and so forth? is something that oh, there's still a great deal of room for discovery, uh, at least as far as I know. As a, as a wanderer, looking back in time, if you could get into a Wayback Machine like they used to have on the Rocky and Bullwinkle show when Mr. Peabody and, <laughs> and Sherman used to get into that Wayback Machine and set the time. I remember that, yes. <laughs> Where would you, David Strumfeld, like to go back to in time and do some wandering? Oh, wow, well, that's, uh, you present an amazing possibility if that could be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I, I, there's almost no time in the past that I wouldn't want to visit and, and try to understand better. Um, whether it's over the last few thousand years in, in the development of science, of, of history and culture since then, or, or back even millions of years in, in trying to learn more about human evolution. So you would like to go basically to the dawn of creation? Um, actually, actually, when I think about it, yes. I, I, it would be fantastic to try to go back to the beginning of the universe itself even. Yeah. Um, because there's so much of it we, that we don't understand or, or that we only at best have big um, understandings of. You know, that presents a, a, a very... Very perplexing question that if you were to go back in time to the beginning of the universe, would you actually go there since the universe hadn't begun yet? Um, well, that, that in itself is one of the questions that one would want to answer. I mean, the, the idea of the beginning of the universe is, is almost seems uh, um, paradoxical. Yeah. I mean, what, if the beginning of the universe began at some point, what's before it? And... Um, I, I, I think many physicists and people involved in cosmology and so forth would would love to undertake such a journey. Do you think there'll ever come a uh, ever come a time, David, when we will be able to manipulate time so that we can actually use it in a, in a device that would take us backwards and forward? Well, I I hate to say that anything is either impossible or mm-hmm. inevitable. Um, um, Trying to predict what the future will bring is, is extremely difficult. And what I would predict is that some of the things that we will discover and will learn how to do are so amazing to what would be so amazing to us today that we would probably think that it's impossible. And the manipulation of time and space itself could very well be one of those things. Um, I would love to live long enough to, to witness such uh, discoveries. David, stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation, our very special guest this hour, is David Strumfels. He's the author about he's the author of Wandering About, www.wanderingabout.net. That's www.wanderingabout.net. David and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network. High def, uh, UK High Definition Radio and Star Cable. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't you dare go away. Here 
Hi there, my name is John Marinelli of Marinelli Hypnosis. That's MarinelliHypnosis.com. And you're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, X-Zone Broadcast Network, and Star Cable. Nation, David Strumfels is our special guest this hour. His website is www.wanderingabout.net. He's the author of a book entitled, you ready for this? Wandering About, Curiosity, Imagination, and Science, a Personal Journal by an Unusual Mind. Tell me, David, who, where did the classification that you have an unusual mind come from? Uh, well, this is... is, is, is. Well, it's almost something I've known my entire life that I was a, a bit eccentric. Mm-hmm. Um, but I discovered a few years ago that I have a condition called Asperger's syndrome, which which is related to or similar to to various forms of autism, in which um, the person's mind isn't necessarily good, very good at interrelating with other human beings, and this is something that was always a problem for me in my life, and, and was a very real struggle and, and, and difficulty until I sort of discovered this is simply the way my mind works. Um, but this Asperger's syndrome, I think, has also contributed greatly to my curiosity and my fascination in sciences, as people with Asperger's often are interested in such things. How, can you tell us a little bit about Asperger's syndrome? I, I've heard about it, and I was wondering if you could uh, just give us uh, more more information on it, because I, I believe that there is there's a need for people to know what these different um, conditions or syndromes are, and and you know that the people who have them are no really no different. They're people. Sure, absolutely, and and Asperger's syndrome, as I said, is considered a, a what they call a high functioning form of. Autism. There, there's, um, you know, people with Asperger's are often um, of either abnormal or even superior intelligence, and it is, it's not considered as a psychiatric or psychological problem. It's, it's a neurological issue in the way your brain functions, in that the the, the parts of your brain that allow you or, or help you to interact and interrelate with the other human beings is perhaps, you know, I, I'm not quite sure how to put this. Um, it, it, I hate to say the word defective, but it's, it's not as, as well developed as it is with most human beings. And so people with Asperger's do very much struggle to have relationships, um, to understand other human beings, um, to be sensitive towards them, and so forth. And it's definitely 
a struggle that you have. But like I say, it's mm-hmm. it's I wouldn't call it an illness or anything like that. It's just you have a different kind of mind that is more focused on other things, um, uh, things such as science or, or understanding the universe. And, and some very famous people are reputed to have Asperger's, such as Einstein and, and so forth, um, which is which led to their brilliance. Um, not that I'm trying to imply I'm brilliant, um, but also led to a lot of the problems in, in dealing with other human beings in their world. Speaking about how people are, David, how would you categorize the nature of mankind? Hmm, could you be a little bit more specific about that? Um, All right, well, after, you know, you're a wanderer, and you've been wandering about for a number of years, and you've you, you've you've checked into the different aspect of the sciences. You've wondered about the universe. You've wondered about science. You've wondered about the past. Taking all these wanderings that you've done over the past number of years, sitting down to write your book, how would you categorize or how would you describe the nature of mankind? Well, we're certainly creatures of curiosity. I mean, I think there's no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, that curiosity isn't always encouraged or developed, but I think it's always there. I mean, uh, compared to, uh, certainly we're in many ways related to other animals and so forth, but our, but our intellect and our intellectual drives probably characterize uh, humanity or, or homo sapiens, whatever you wish to call it, more than anything else. It, it probably makes us perhaps the most astonishing species that has ever existed on this planet. Um, I say that with some reluctance. That could sound rather arrogant. But I think there's a lot of truth to that. We're certainly very special. I mean, we, we are the first creatures that have ever gone into space mm-hmm. or whoever have wondered about the universe around us. Well, well um, I, 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 what, wasn't a, a monkey and a dog sent up in space before humans? Uh, well, certainly they were. I mean, that, that was mostly to find out what would be the consequences. So, so, um, so really... Physically, how, how would they adapt to that? I, I know, but so really we can't say we were the first species up in space. <laughs> Strictly speaking, you're right. Of yeah. course, we did, we did send up other animals in space first, but we sent them up. Oh, I mean, they didn't send themselves up. Tell me, David, do you believe in creationism or evolution? Well, I, I think anyone who reads my book knows that, that I'm a firm believer in evolution. I, uh, I think among scientific theories, it's it's pretty hard to come up with a theory that's better. Uh, demonstrated than evolution. Um, to me, there, there's, it's, that's just quite as real as the idea of gravity or the atomic theory of matter. If, in fact, we did, if, if evolution is what people believe it to be, then is it safe to say that the human species as well as other species on this planet are still evolving? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, we're still evolving. Um it's often believed that we've sort of come to a standstill, but um, there are many ways in which, which 
scientists have determined we, we've been steadily evolving even over the past few thousand years and, and still are, at least to the extent that things like random mutations mm -hmm. and uh, natural selection still affect us, and they still do. But if, if we evolved from the ape, then how come there are still apes? Are they evolving into humans? Oh, well, evolution doesn't say that any given species will come to an end simply because another species evolves from it. Uh, I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's commonly thought of by, by people, by creationists and, and people who don't like evolution, but there's really no reason to think that whatsoever. I mean, evolution largely involves the splitting of species into new, two new species, two or more new species. And human beings are the result of one or many such splittings. I mean, but many of our ape cousins, such as gorillas and chimpanzees and so forth, uh, still exist and it still have been evolving throughout the last million years just as we have been evolving. One discussion I had with a creationist uh, a couple of years ago was that his concept of man at the point of creation was as we are today. And I just said, well, okay, but how do you explain the, uh, the cavemen? And he was at a loss. It seems that creationism, according to those who believe in it, started when Homo sapiens looked like we do now. They can't explain what happened prior to that. And, uh, you know, I'm going to ask you a question that I asked another person who believed in evolution. What do you think the dinosaurs who are now extinct would have evolved into? That's a very good question, and people have actually um, pursued that issue um, over the last few years. And there are some people who think that, that dinosaurs, or at least some lineages of dinosaurs, mm -hmm. might very well have evolved into intelligent beings. Um, of course, it's, it's, it's impossible to say with certain. I mean, they're sure. extinct, and, and, and any, any speculation is just, is just that. Um, it's been six, some 65 million years since there were dinosaurs, and dinosaurs existed for over 150 million years. So they might also they might not have changed too much if they had continued to exist. Uh, the thing about evolution is it's very hard to predict exactly what's going to happen in the future. Um, evolution explains what has happened in the past, but it's not necessarily easy to predict what's going to happen from, from evolutionary forces. As a person who does a lot of wondering, have you ever wondered about what happens to one when one dies, and what have you come up with? Well, this is, in, in, in some ways, is a fascinating question. Of course, we really don't know at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, the, 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 that simply comes down to that. Um, but the last chapter of my book is asks a great number of questions about this whole idea of, of sentience and, and one might say even the soul. And it's not clear why we have such things, if, whether you want to call it the soul or not. And what happens when we physically cease to exist is something that science really doesn't know how to answer yet. And... Um, of course, it's, it's fascinating because we, we dread and fear the idea of dying. Sure. Um, 
whether we're scientific or not. Um, so I, I would love to understand this, this subject better. It's, it's just something that we really don't have any strong insights into right now, though. Maybe we'll be able in the future, but I, right now I don't think we really know what do you have the any, answer to these questions. Do you have any thoughts on reincarnation and its possibilities? Well, it, I, 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 and at this point, you, you might say almost anything is possible. Mm -hmm. If we don't know, then almost anything is possible. And um, as someone who um, has been involved to some degree in, in ideas from Buddhism, of which reincarnation is one, um, I can't deny that it's possible. Um, but we don't have any strong evidence one way or the other. And, and so we, we simply have to suspend our belief and just try to investigate this matter further to whatever extent we can. David, if you had the ability to pull the greatest minds of our time together, put them in an auditorium, and you, David, could have them work for you on solving one of the greatest mysteries of our time, what would that mystery be? What would you get the greatest scientific minds of the world to wander about? Well, I think the subject we were just discussing would be a wonderful one. What is the nature of our existence, our, mm -hmm. our ascension to existence? How, how has this come to be? Um, what is the science behind it in, in what may happen to us after we physically cease to exist? Um, I don't think they could answer it. It's, it's simply beyond our capacity to answer at the current time. But it's it's certainly something I would put them to. I, I think another thing I would put them to is trying to understand how the universe evolved and how it came to be and, and have the various laws and, and facets that we see. Stephen Hawking was quoted uh, a couple of weeks ago saying that he doubts as if extraterrestrial life has been has been to this planet, and uh, he cited that extraterrestrials may in fact have the same effect on on mankind as the Europeans did on the Native Americans. Any wonderings about that? Uh, on the, uh, well, on the Native that, Americans, I'm sorry. Yeah, That's actually a fascinating comparison, because that's exactly the way extraterrestrials would be to us. They, they would be people mm -hmm. with enormously advanced technology, and science, and, and to us, to the point where it would almost seem magical, or almost godlike. Uh, any, any, any species that would be able to cross the gulf between stars and come and visit us here would have a technology so advanced from ours that, that we would simply be amazed by them. Um, and we would simply, and we would very likely be subjugated by them, um, depending on their uh, uh, morals and so forth, um, but it would be in many ways similar to Europeans crossing the Atlantic and 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 finding the Native Americans here and and the differences between them. Do you think that the possibility that they would bring diseases harmful to this planet is a possibility? Hmm. I I I. I my first guess is that actually that's unlikely because. Disease-causing organisms do have to be fairly well tailored to the organisms they infect. And, and beings from another world would be biochemically or biologically quite different from us, I would suspect. 
So it's unlikely that they would be carrying organisms that would be well tailored to attack us. Um, uh, again, that's kind of a, a, a guesstimate in my terms. Um, it's very hard to know for sure what, what would happen there. All right, David, please stand by. You and I have to take our final break. ExoNation, we've been wondering about things, the universe, extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. We've been wondering about what happens when we die with our good friend David Stromfels. He's the author of, of Wandering About. His website is www.wanderingabout.net. That's www.wanderingabout.net. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. Don't go away. Talking to David Strumfels about his book, Wandering About. His website is www.wanderingabout.net. David, how important do you believe it is for people, especially, I, 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 would, I, would, I would imagine that this is very important to children, to be curious? Well, I think curiosity is something that, that we actually simply have. And, and we can't avoid it. And we, we certainly know that anyone who's dealt with children knows they ask an enormous number of mm-hmm. questions. And they never seem satisfied with the answers. And, and yet, in a lot of cases, it seems to me at least that that curiosity is, is not really encouraged or developed. Um, I'm not quite sure why that is. Uh, maybe partly that people like to have had answers to things, so they don't always explore to the degree that they should. You know, I I, I, know, I, I know when I was a kid, you know, we were encouraged to read by my parents. But right. now kids, you know, they have their, their, their little... Uh, their iPods, they have their little texting machines, they sit down, they play all these electronic games that actually are no-brainers. In, instead of going out, making discoveries, going on uh, wandering abouts, going out and, and, and looking at the wonders that are right in front of them, I think that the electronic age has made kids not as curious as, as you and I were. Um, but that's certainly very possible. I mean, uh, um uh, a lot of the technology that's available to us today and to mm-hmm. our children um, basically just sort of gratify uh, various needs of their minds without really encouraging them to be curious. But I think the most important thing that we as adults can do is to make, help them realize that, that we don't have the answers to everything. Yeah. 
I, I think adults often feel a need to to give answers to whatever the children our children ask, and the answer I don't know is a very important answer. And it's one we should be willing to give every time we really don't know, which is you often. It's also a very honest answer, and it shows honesty and integrity about the person that you're talking to and asking that question. It gives you both the opportunity of investigating, researching, and coming to the conclusion of that answer together. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. David, as always, great talking to you. Tell our listeners where they can get a copy of your book. Well, there's a number of places they can get it. They can certainly order it off of Amazon.com. Um, it, I've actually, uh, actually, a friend of mine told me they found it in a Barnes & Noble store in New Jersey uh, not too long ago. So it may actually be available in bookstores. You can certainly order them from many bookstores. And it's also, you can order it. I don't know if you can order it straight from the web, my website itself. But you can go to... Um, the, uh, my, my publisher's website, Ex Libris, and find it there and order it from there. All right, David, thank you very much for joining us. Always a great pleasure talking to you. Take care of yourself in regards to the family. XO Nation, our special guest this hour has been David Strumfels. We've been talking about Wandering About, his website, www.wanderingabout.net, and he is the author of Wandering About. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. <laughs> 